I would like to fight father. Yeah, <laughs> father, I crave violence. Normally it's Sprout doing that kind of shit to me, like, because she gets anxious or she wants to be fed or something like that. But this was like, I don't know, I was just goofing around with him and he started running around a little bit. And then uh, he's like, let's fucking go. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> fucking goofy ass cat. So it's season fucking three. everyone, welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Commander Podcast, where myself and other guests come on to talk about uncommon legendary creatures as commanders. And uh, today I have a returning guest, Fitz, who also does the fantastic intro for me two seasons in a row. How's it going? Good, thanks for having me back, Cole. Stoked to uh, talk about one of my favorite uh, uncommon commander pairings. Yeah, and uh, just before we do that... Um... You do a you do a thing you do a show with a good old pal of ours, uh, where you talk about commander decks that are <coughs> sevens, and I think we all agree all of our decks are sevens. Oh, every commander deck is right, <clears throat> unless you're pub stomping. Then yeah, it's not, not a seven. Yeah, but yeah. I have a, and who, a who does who does that? <laughs> who, who would do that? <laughs> I, I have never I've never even won a game of commander. No, never. I don't even play commander at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's all baloney. She just likes to uh, just to sit on the play mat with the cards. Yeah, she she ratatouilles you the whole time. She's like. Fits play and cool, so I can ratatouille someone else through the, <laughs> through the power of the internet. <laughs> yeah, casual sevens with uh yeah. with profit of Aries. Yeah, it's our uh, uh, it's a podcast that we have a handful of episodes of, focusing on the, the more philosophical and social parts of the game. One of we all love one of the episodes was uh, uh, talking about the addictive uh, qualities of playing the game, of which. I am no stranger to it, and I'm heavily guilty of, and my girlfriend gives me bombastic side-eyes over. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, uh, I always, uh, I definitely encourage anyone to go listen to that, uh, the few episodes you guys have out. It's always fun uh, listening to you guys shoot the shit, um, and especially the awards episode was, <laughs> that was pretty great. Uh, I'm, lo- I'm looking had forward. A lot of fun with that one. I'm looking forward to whenever you happen to do that again in the near future, whenever that seems appropriate. Because the last year of cars has just been absolutely wild. Yeah, last last couple really. Yeah, but um, all right. So hey, Commander Legends. That was uh, that was a fucking uh set that happened a while back now in in Commander yeah. in com- in Commander years, you know, um. But your two commanders um, are Rogrik, son of uh, Roga, and uh, Essir Wardwing Familiar. Um, and uh, what what's the point of the pairing, and what's the goal of your deck? <clears throat> well, I'll give you a little uh, story time. I'll, I'll, many moons ago, I watched uh, an episode of Extra Turns where someone had a Kaikar Polymorph deck. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, fuck, I want to do something like that. But I didn't want to do just that. And then I was... Uh, playing games with our friend scoop phase and he had a roger and ishai deck where the only creature was blightsteel colossus 
Ooh. And I thought that was that also I was like, okay, cool. I started uh really got me on the path. And then I wanted to uh but I didn't want to just do one creature. That was a little cheesy for me. So I started with the Locust God originally as the commander, and I wanted to just polymorph into other like card draw threats that fly, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Some of my, you know, some of my favorite uh, draw, creatures. Draw, visit. draw some cards too while you're at it. You, you know, you know, I love that Cole. <laughs> <clears throat> and then um, the Locust God was just uh, a little too hot, and it's six mana, and everyone sees it coming, and they're fucking scared of the commander because it's really powerful. It is. It's and, always uh, going to be powerful. That that card's yeah. nuts. Which makes sense. And then I wasn't having a lot of fun just getting my fucking uh, nuts stepped on. So I decided to switch, and I took uh, inspiration from Scoop Phase, and I went with Roger and Sakashima of a thousand faces for a while. And then recently, I just switched to Isior because it's a little less mana, and it also gives me uh, like pseudo ward, so people can't blow my shit up when I try to polymorph either hey, of my commanders. At least it's not Ward Two, because if it just said Ward Two, I'd be a little, I'd be a little pissed off well, about that. <laughs> I mean, it's spells your opponent's cast cost three more. Yeah. It's it's close. I could go I could go on for hours about Ward, but uh, we'll we'll go maybe we'll go back. Whatever, to that later. it's better than hexproof. Would you rather the cards just say hexproof? Well, at least then I know it has hexproof rather than sitting there and being reminded. Oh, it's actually you have to pay an additional. Oh, let me just double check. It's got Ward too. But anyway, that's a whole that's a whole complaint in itself. Ovika Ward three pay three life and three life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. If I had to, if I had the choice. But anyway, that's not, that, that's goes yeah, further down. But anyway, <clears throat> and yeah, it's a polymorph deck. So the objective is to play one of these cheap commanders uh, more than once a game and hit him with a polymorph spell and turn him into a big fucking flying threat that draws cards. Yeah. So uh, you have looking at your list here. Uh, you have twelve absolutely bomb, bomby bomb uh, creatures. Um, <clears throat> Kind of just starting from the top, uh, or I guess alphabetically, good old ancient silver dragon for those times that you want to roll a d20 when you deal combat damage and have some either, like, either you roll the nat one and you're like, I guess I draw a card, oh no, or you draw you draw 20 cards like a madman. Or somewhere in the middle. Yeah, give or take. It's usually some kind of statistical average, but... Uh, it's also an 8-8, eight, eight. like it's just a big, big beater. Yeah, one of the things that I really do love about, like, Polymorph, or, um, I guess it's mostly just Polymorph, and there's a lot of other effects that, like, even some other commanders have, like, uh, I've talked about Jalira on the podcast before with, uh, Brandon, and obviously, like, you know, oh, I gotta get training grounds and all this other stuff, and you hit non-legendaries. In this kind of shell, you don't really have to worry about that. You can get, you, you can get yourself the Niv-Mizzets... The Amber Cools, and then, of course, just, like, every giant dumb creature in here. But why'd you choose, like, I guess of, of like, the list we got here, of the 12 creatures, uh, why specifically this set of 12? Or what justified you just kind of narrow it to uh, these 12? I wanted, like, around 10-ish, because I didn't want it to always feature the exact same creatures every game. Mm-hmm. I love flying. It's one of my favorite keywords. So they're all creatures with flying except for one, which is Stormtide Leviathan. Which cares about which, flying. Which cares about flying. So I was like, oh, good enough. It's also an 8-8 and uh, protects my life total. Yeah, good old Stormtime Leviathan from the core sets back around 2011, 2012-ish. It was probably one of my first big 
dumb like dollar rares that I opened from uh uh like booster booster packs and everything. And I saw I even in standard I tried jamming it, which was terrible. It was a terrible idea. Uh, but then Commander came along, like, for my group of friends, and it's like, oh, wait, Stormtime Leviathan actually, like, mucks up a lot of strategies. Um, Island Walk, not so common, but flying is definitely pretty, uh, pretty good, and, uh, definitely fits. It's Stonewall's it. most token stacks. True. <clears throat> They're like, I have 100,000 tokens, like, cool, <gasps> can they turn sideways? No? Yeah. No. That's okay. what I, that's what I thought. Yeah, Stormtide, uh, Nivmizit Perum, and Firemind. Do you have a way to combo up with them in the deck? No, uh, and I'm also a Draco Genius. I was going to run oh, you uh, do. Just, yeah. just the two of them, but uh, I was talking about the deck on Twitter, and someone suggested I should just run all the Nivmizits. And I was like, fuck it, why not? I think he's a cool dragon. I, you they, know all, they all draw cards in a way. Draco Genius was... Uh, I'm actually trying to... sucks. Yeah, he's not so great in comparison, you know, obviously doesn't get to combo out with curiosity effects. Um, you know, six mana, five mine, still still a wizard dragon with flying, but whenever it deals combat into a player, you may draw a card. And then you can pay blue and a red to have it deal one damage to target creature or player. Um, which, yeah, maybe not so great a comparison to the Perun, which is, like, easily the best version of them, I'd say. Oh, yeah. By, like, Miles. Um pretty good uh ovika enigma goliath uh from uh all will be one good old phyrexian nightmare with ward three and pay three life so you could finally target it this thing just is a house yeah it uh it's a flying six six it's hard to kill and whenever you cast a non-creature spell you create x one one red phyrexian goblin tokens where x is the spell's mana value and they gain haste Yep, that, I mean, like, not most with the Stormtide Leviathan, but maybe at that point it doesn't really matter. But considering, oh gee, I don't know, uh, what are we talking about? 80, like 85-ish rough percent? No, that's the statistics wrong. Uh, like 50 some odd percent of your deck, uh, not counting lands, not counting the creatures or your commanders, are like just non non creature spells which is exactly what fits yeah. in for Ovika um and yeah Dracuseth, uh consecrated sphinx Balefire dragon <laughs> um and terror of the peaks for just they're just all all stars for different reasons yeah clear clearing the board in the skies is always pretty good um i i can count the number of times um, I play an Ishin Two Heavens as one deck where I should probably try to slot in Dracoseth finally, but having creatures oh, that two do... of those, <laughs> yeah, having two Dracoseth triggers, like it's already bad enough when I got the uh, the the Dragon Lieutenant that deals seven um, when it attacks, but doing that twice is like pretty great. Um, but yeah, clear clearing the way in the skies when you know you get it out if you can get Dracoseth out early or I. Mean, I don't know. Quite frankly, we're talking about a polymorph deck where one of your commanders is zero mana. If you're able to flip it that early, I mean, like, the game might as well be over at that point. Yeah, it definitely makes... Ask the question, do people have removal? If you get... Uh, if I get a really hot start and can polymorph on, like, turn four. It's usually a little slower than that, but if I can establish, like, multiple... Like, polymorph multiple times in a game without a board wipe or a lot of interaction, it definitely... Uh, it's a question people have to answer or you start to lose 
Yeah, the whole do you have removal question that or interaction at least. Uh, that's also a, I I feel like I maybe mentioned it a little bit or at least I've tweeted about it numerous times. But sometimes it's like yeah, maybe it would be good to just be packing something for that early game. You don't have to have like four of them or five of them in your hand at the time, but you know if you need the answer, you gotta have it. Um, so obviously like. You're trying to piggyback a win off a lot of these creatures. How are you backing up the strategy of of polymorphing out these these creatures to help you win the game? Uh, I have commander staples, swiftfoot boots, and lightning greaves. Sometimes just uh, <laughs> sticking those on, on one does a lot of work. Like it gives makes them fast, and it makes them hard to uh, target. Yeah, I mean, like when I when I. Listen, everyone, I don't know if you know Fitz super well. Uh, the man likes drawing cards. He likes drawing a lot of cards. As a matter of fact, he likes drawing like over 50% of his deck if he could pull it off. Um, and yeah, just take a look at it. If it's not the creatures like Niv-Mizzet that are drawing you cards, and if it's not Consecrated Sphinx or the Ancient Silver Dragon, I guess kind of maybe the Locust God, but that's really like the funnel point of putting all those. Yeah, uh, I don't ever activate that ability. That's how you know you're losing <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, if you ever see a Rissic study or anything like that hit the board, I mean, like, you better, you either, you better keep paying your taxes <laughs> or you better destroy it. Cause, uh, Fitz will be off to the races at that point. So, yeah. Rissic study, Mystic Remora, I'm seeing a scroll rack. I'm surprised you even put in Brainstone, uh, in the deck. Well... I don't want to be like I have like scroll rack, chase the mind sculptor, brainstorm, and brainstone in the deck because yeah. I don't want to get stuck with those cards and like the big creatures in my hand. And I guess there's I not really a whole lot of comparable brainstorm effects at that. Not that lets you put them from your hand back on top of your library, and that's what I'm really trying to do. I don't want to cast like an Emrakul. I just want to cheat it out. Yeah, and like. I found, at least from the recent few years, like, of sets, if, if we do see a Brainstorm-like effect, it's on a creature. And I could definitely see why it wouldn't those types of creatures wouldn't exactly fit or, like, make the cut. I'm thinking of, um... The Cavalier? Cavalier Gales I, is probably, like, the... But I wa- yeah, that's the thing. I'd rather... I want to try to cheat those cards out, not cast them to, to do the effect. So I kind of yeah. started, started digging in other places to, to um, generate that. I know, hey, Scroll Rack was also in Commander Legends. What do you know? Um, so yeah, you you get all these big creatures out. I mean, it's polymorphing. You got you got your you got your selection of spells here. Um, polymorph, Proteus Staff. Uh, I always love seeing Reality Scramble just for the retrace. Um, Transmorgify. Yeah, I like it. It's repeatable. It is repeatable. Yeah, the Transmorgify. I did not expect. Um, to see that here, especially because it exiles the card. Is there ever a point you ever want to use it for removal? Nah, fuck that. I want my threats. <laughs> I like, I'm, and I tried to focus on single target ones. I don't really like the mass polymorphs. Yeah, because if I already have a threat out, then it gets rid of it to just find a different one. I'd rather just remove, like, use just the commanders as the polymorph targets. Like, yeah, have them be the fodder. Yeah, and I mean, like, especially when the total mana value of all your commanders is two to start off with, um, like, the the amount of, the start value of being, like, looks at hand, what do I got? I got Polymorph, alright, I cast Rograk for zero, and I cast Polymorph for four. 
yeah, that's definitely like trying to set it up around turn three or four is ideal to get the first threat out and then hopefully do it again on the next turn. And um, let me think here. What's your, uh, ever since you shifted out from the Locust God, because obviously, like we said, Locust God is, is a great card. Everyone sees it common at six mana. Um, has the game, has the gameplay and like play patterns been pretty consistent for you? Like ever across the yeah, board? Yeah, my deck usually does the thing. I'm usually pretty uh, successful at at least polymorphing once or twice in a game. Yeah. And with the switch to the commanders that I run now, they're like a weird pairing to begin with. No one really sees them coming. <clears throat> so uh, I don't think they draw a lot of heat early on. And now with ECR, even if I am worried about someone trying to kill, like, say, uh, Rograk before my polymorph spell resolves, it's really fucking hard. Yeah. And with the extra three mana, it's, it's hard for them to swords or path them. I was going to say, like, because we're thinking about, like, obviously, like, on occasion, depending on, like, who you're playing with and, like, what you want to play, like, where would you kind of put this deck in terms of a power scaling and not a numeric scale? Because obviously it's a casual seven. We all know this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, what is this considered, like, a high powered deck because of how consistent it can be? I don't think so. I think the, the turns this deck is going to start uh, threatening to win or eliminate players is, like, turn eight. Okay, yeah, because you still need to get a creature out to start with before you even let alone start, like, turning it sideways and then throwing out more it's like value over time. Five or six is the first time I'm probably attack with one of my five fives or six sixes. So it's probably, like, turn eight or nine when the deck's really starting to thread out to, like, close out at the game or, or eliminate multiple players at once. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what's my... I guess my question is for you is what is because I, I, I always know everyone's opinion is different. What is your what's your ideal time frame to for a game to end? And also what is like I don't know trick question is a silly question because it could be new it could be whatever. <laughs> but like what's the ideal way that you would like for a game to end? Uh, uh, probably one where everyone has fun. <laughs> I mean, that's ideal, right? That's obviously <laughs> ideal, yeah. Um, I like to think with a good pregame conversation, you're going to land in the right pods. Ideally, not, yeah. If people wanted to play like a really, like a like with fast mana and like a really powerful deck, I probably wouldn't play this one. <laughs> hey, look at my, uh, man, look at my mana vault on turn one fits in my mono red, <laughs> my mono red Mishra deck. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't really have a lot of density of fast mana or mm-hmm. uh, force multipliers in my deck. I so it really does take a while for it to win. Yeah, like, take take a look at the rest of the deck, because obviously you, you again, Mystic Study, Mystic Remora, you got Teferi's Aegis Insight, which is a freaking... That's a, I love that card so much. I play it in, like, so many decks. I wish I had more than one copy, but uh, printers. Um, And then you got Teferi Master Time. You got Winged Words in here, which I find really funny. It's just a All good... my creatures are flyers. Yeah, it's just good old two mana, draw two spells in a pinch, and... Honestly, who can argue with that value? You got five counter spells, um, uh, including a Narset's reversal, good old counter spell, um, and then like you got twelve pieces of ramp and mana rocks, um, mystical tutor, solve the equation in case you need to go find something. Like those are just to find polymorph cards, just because like there's only like 
nine or ten polymorph effects really and is it and and, and if like you I want said, the comparatively want, best ones and i don't want to run the a lot of the mass ones because they kind of fuck with my plan yeah um mass polymorph um literally is, just being is still in the deck and yeah. I, I would cut it if i could honestly it's just like i start to run out of density of that effect if i do yeah i was gonna say um Hold on one second here, because two mass polymorph. There's one spell. It's an instant speed version of mass polymorph. Um, and I can't remember. Synthetic Destiny, that's what it was called. Um, where for the exact same cost, or sorry, exact same mana value, but for one more blue, you exile all creatures you control in the beginning of your next end step. Uh, whichever end step that happens to be, you get to do the mass polymorph thing. Um, would that even make the cut if you were gonna like swap some stuff in and out? It used to be in the deck. I cut it when Chaos Mutation was printed in the Warhammer decks because mm, it's, it's one it's less three blue red to do a just to do a single target one. Okay, yeah, and still it is the speed, which is powerful and exactly what you but need. But this deck mostly plays at sorcery speed anyway, though. Yeah, like, it's not that big a deal because I'm gonna do shit on my turn and I'm trying to protect my threats and win through combat. Mm -hmm. That's why I also have uh, like five counter spells. I want to protect my bangers. Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of just looking at this, like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's got all the, it's got enough like density in kind of each category of what you would want to dig through your deck. Obviously draw cards is what you do. It's what you're here for. Have enough, have enough uh, probability of hitting a key counter spell or two, but obviously not enough. You're like, yeah, I'm packing ten counter spells like a crazy person. <laughs> like, I gotta no, make I'm not sure I get to play it. A control deck. I want. I'm not trying to uh, raid on anyone's parade. I just don't want to have to uh, fish out multiple nib mizzets and have them just slowly picked off the table. I'd like to keep one of them, you know, at, at least one of them. Yeah, at least one of them. Um. But yeah, what else to say here? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you're... The deck kind of is the... You know, it's kind of the quintessential casual seven in all intents and purposes. It has enough of what it needs uh, to win the game. Maybe some people might find it a little bit too predictable. Maybe because of, like, what the game plan is versus, like, you know, if you're going to be polymorphing, how many times are you going to be polymorphing and how many of these are you going to hit? But at least it's not, like... You only get to hit the um, Eldrazi Titans or Blight Steel. Yeah, Blight Steel. Like, oh, you know, you're packing Emrakul the Promised End. You know, I I have a real soft spot for that card. I'm a big uh, Emrakul fan. She it's looks all, fucking sweet. All it takes is thirteen squirrels that have flying. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you don't get to steal someone's turn, a thirteen thirteen with trample and flying is it. You know, it reduces life totals really fast. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, th this is a deck that really speaks to me on several levels. Uh, I'd probably have a, pr a similar deck if I really sat down and take and like figured it out. Oh God, excuse me. <clears throat> um, but, uh, I'd, if I did something similar and I have done it in the past with Jalira, um, I've, I've definitely done it with a much higher density of creatures. Um, because what I was doing in the Jalira deck um, I called it the Ru uh, Russian Roulette Jalira, where I would throw a creature, maybe two of them out, depending on like the like 
Stranic Resonator, uh, Death Render, or a few of other spells that like either search for cards or tutor them, or you double polymorph or do all this other stuff. But I would like be like, what are you gonna get? Right? You spin the wheel, you shuffle your library or whatever, and then you whip out a card, and it's like, all right, it is gonna be that Riverwise Augur that does the brainstorm effect, or um, it's gonna be a trinket trinket mage or like whatever the ones that search up for equipment so i'll go grab like skull clamp or i'll go grab death render go grab uh oh god um uh, illusionist bracers oh yeah nice double the ability for sure um so i'd throw you know get that thrown on jalira get out the training see uh training no training no um training grounds training grounds which oh hey the one that just got reprinted Yep, which I mean, heck, we actually wait a minute. That. Yeah, and I think that's coming out next week, um, if memory serves me correctly, for uh, aftermath. Which, uh, hey, that's something to talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, super sweet reprint, and uh, that that was a pretty fun deck for a time. I know Brandon. Uh, the producer. He's still uh, playing it on Lexicon all the time. Oh yeah, and he's hounding me too. He's like Cole. I thought we were gonna do the double Jalira like on on uh, on stream, and uh, he uh, he we did it one time, and he like very quickly got out a Frost Titan on me and just absolutely annihilated me, tapped down my lance, all this other stuff, like, and I was like, oh shit, this is what I feel. I guess this is what it feels like when I do it over <laughs> to Davy, uh, good old Davy Jones of of Neil Royal. Um, and uh, I've kind of chickened out ever since, and I'm going to be uh, have to sit down and really think about it. And maybe I might just have to pick your deck apart. Just I know one time bit. before the pandemic, or maybe during like the start of the pandemic, him, you, and I played a game where all three of us were playing our polymorph decks. God, that feels like uh, a long time ago. It probably was a long time ago. It was probably a year ago, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, that sounds familiar. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, pandemic, pandemic time um has has really messed up with my scope of things because when i think about it <laughs> like when i think about it because like around around the time when the pandemic was happening or i was i think it was around 2019 i was trying to get back into things like online because a lot of people were talking about it um and spell table was just the new thing uh and then around that time play edh uh rub me the wrong way without even me participating um and so uh lexicon showed up out of nowhere and they were like we got something going on so in a weird roundabout way they're they're kind of the reason i get to know you and joel and prof and and the crew there and it's i get to know a lot of people because of them and all yeah all, all uh, because of a weird polymorph deck idea that i get bullied into trying to make again <laughs> Um, but yeah, polymorphing is one of those effects that I hope we get to see a lot more of. Um, the f obviously, Luca's not going to be the one doing it anymore. Rip in peace. No, he's, uh, <laughs> rest in piss, whichever. You know. <laughs> rip, rip in <sighs> pieces, my man, you, you absolute idiot. Um, but also having them kind of have it be branched out into red. Um, I'm hoping they get to do a lot. I like that. Um, what are the ones? Oh God, 
it's an X one. It's an X one that targets artifacts and creatures, and I can't remember. Indomitable what creativity. Yeah, indomitable creativity. Like that is such a super cool design. You can use it at like you know, obviously chaos warping um, is not the most ideal removal no. spell in red, uh, but I like the flexibility. I always yeah, have flexibility, um, and um, I just hope that they find more ways to, like, you know, we get Wild Magic Surge as, like, a quote-unquote removal spell now, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, we have... I wish that one could target your own stuff. Don't we? Yeah, it's like, oh, it destroys it? Neat, sweet, alright, let me flip it into something else specific. Um, it's, and, like, Tybalt's Trickery is, like, the kind of weird counterspell version of it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, hey, wizards, keep it up. I'd like more of those. Tibble's Trickery Tri- Tib- is always one of those cards where I have it in a handful of decks. It's always, it's it's never, I feel like, not been useful, but you always run the risk of having the Chaos Warp thing where either, at least not in Chaos Warp's case, where you have the random chance of accidentally having the person flip the same card out again, which has happened it's... a non-zero t- amount of times. Yeah, but if you were already going to lose to whatever they were playing, like you know, using that that type of removal spell where it transmutes it to something else. Like, if something fucked up also shows up, you just can't control that. No, and you know what? I mean, heck, as a red player, we just gotta live live and die by that. Um, you know, it's out of our control, and uh, counterspells are pretty, uh, like, counterspells and interaction, pretty limited. You know, you can't lightning bolt everything to death sometimes. No. <laughs> but if I copy lightning bolt three times... <laughs> Seems like you're putting a lot of effort into it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's all the effort you need. Um, but, um, but yeah, like kind of going into uh, what you were mentioning about, like, uh, obviously there's the idea, like the ideal way to like end a game, and like the goal that you have in the deck is like to try to get it around turn eight to turn ten, ish, like ideally. Um, and I kind of wish I had a better eye or a better way to like keep track of that because i i at some point i start losing track of like what turn people like what's the turn cycle on i don't know at this point some people are really good at keeping track of that i'm terrible at it um but the other night or i guess the other week um i got to play on beth's stream aka queen of cardboard um and then a couple days later i was playing over on uh davy's stream uh on the friday um, and for three out of the four games I got to play on those streams, um, like collectively between all of them, I, I either managed to, I actually managed to kill everyone simultaneously on each of those games. Uh, nice. so I was totally curb stomping, them up. um, totally pub stomping on like turn 10, uh, or whatever. <laughs> um, but it was, it was funny cause like at the end of, um, at the end of one of the games, I was playing the new Urbrask, um, and I didn't realize because I was like, I was storming out, and someone's like, yeah, it's turn 10. And I'm like, what? Um, and I just guess, I guess I never realized it, where it's like sometimes it, the le- you hit like the turn 3 and turn 4 where someone's doing that, and I feel like the wind's being cut out of my sails, but if it's turn 10, I guess it's okay. And like, it should be okay at yeah, that point. Yeah, the game's not bad. 
Yeah. We're not going to sit here for like four fucking hours and then like friendship each other to death. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think games, I think decks should have a win condition and be proactive to build to it. Yeah. Or maybe this is, I, I, I guess like despite all of the games that I played with you guys, like Gabe, uh, Joel, Prof, the folks over on Lexicon, a lot of people really. Like, I guess I've never really had. It's weird not to have that in mind. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just, I've never been like, yeah, I'll try to win by turn 10. I'm just like, I can just, the idea is like, I'm going to try to win. The timing of it is just off, and I'm not sure what that's about. But recently, I've been churning out so much value through some of my decks. Like, oh, I'm threatening to win. And everyone's like, all right, cool, let's shut that shit down. Cool, you fucking pop stopper. <laughs> I think with modern commander decks are a little bit, like, you know, faster than they were even a couple years ago. The card designs are more value-focused. There's more commanders that, like, uh, warp the game. Like, may not warp the game, but the thing they do is going to be dynamic enough to have a real impact. Like, Urbrath provides mana and damage. You made that Jeru and Hazard deck to cash it for free. Those are power, like, going to affect the game. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, there was an article recently. Yeah, uh, Chris and Emily. Um, she made an article recently where, like, we're no longer casting as many Haymaker spells uh, at, like, 7, 8, 9, like, 9 mana that just, like, auto-wins the game. We are slowly accumulating pieces that make the equivalent of those, like, mana-valued effects. But you're like, oh, I'll get this, like, you're not comboing out sometimes, but you definitely have, like, a 2, 3, 4 card, highly synergistic combo that is just steamrolling people. Uh, that that you might as well like you're obviously like winning the game you're making big swings but you're you've accumulated and assembled the haymaker yeah that's why this deck is cheating them out right i said i don't want to i don't want to cast these cards i that's why i'm polymorphing them and using top deck manipulation or even i have a couple wheels in the deck that shuffle your graveyard back into your library so if i lose my creatures i have a way to get them back or lose my polymorph spells give me another shot at uh doing the thing mm-hmm um, I just remembered a question I was thinking of asking you earlier, because you had mentioned how the Locust God, obviously, you you have a, a face commander that's obviously very strong, um, very resilient, but is a high mana value. Um, do you feel as if the recent designs of a lot of these new legendary creatures, um, Toxril, Ovika, uh, Atali, the, the new Flipitali. Do you feel as if the amount of mana value and the like their effectiveness at their mana value pushes against or somehow what's the word I'm looking for? Allows them to be as viable as a lot of the low cost commanders and legends that we've been getting the last couple of years? Yeah, for sure. Like the new the new Atali, the primal sickness or whatever. That that card is very powerful, and if it wasn't, you wouldn't want to spend the seven mana to cast it. It's got to have an effect that really changes the landscape of the game. So a lot of new value commanders like, that are low uh, mana value will really like um, develop their board fast. If you're not, and if you're like turbo ramping into a threat, it's got to it's got to be really high impact these days. I think. Yeah, I I I what I, one of the things that I've been glad that they've been doing recently. Like, obviously, if we're looking at your deck, you you are specifically choosing to have 
Rograk and Roger and Essier um, as commanders because of their incredibly low value. Like, their low, their low mana value cost, their use of being polymorph targets, and as a way to sort of minorly disarm people, despite having, like, I would imagine a very competent um, uh, Rules of the Art conversation of, like, what the goal yeah, of the deck is. Tell people what I'm going to do with when I play them, but uh, it just doesn't draw the same attention as, like, when someone's like, oh, I want to play, play my Locust God deck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the trade-offs that I've been seeing in design is now that uh, while we're also getting more higher-cost legendary creatures kind of across the board, like, you know, five, I feel, is a... Mana value five is, like, a value where a lot of legendary creatures sit, where I feel as if it's the 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 do-or-die value. Of like, if it's a five and you can cast it for seven or even cast it for nine, you're still getting enough value out of it. But if you are questioning to even cast it for seven, it's not worth having as as like a commander. Um, but simultaneously, like they're now printing like I I easily look at like Ovika and Toxril as like these high cost spells that have a lot of impact, but obviously like you have to wait to patiently to to get to that point. Um, and then at the same time, there's these new designs of new effects that care about the mana value of your commander that they always kind of slip into, like, the supplemental stuff that they're like, they're like, it's not part of the commander decks, but it's quote-unquote commander, and we'll have it in, like, the collector's packs, or it'll be part of, like, the main commander decks for the set. Like, um, I'll say a couple of those have been in the main decks, like, Sting Study was printed in a pre-con. Yeah. Which is really good. I love it. I love singing. I love study. that card. Um, there's like the red wheel uh, version of that that was part of the Strafon Commander deck, if I recall, where everyone gets the choice to wheel for the number. Uh, like they get to wheel, depending on the mana value of a commander creature in play or in their command zone. Which I yeah, always that's another cool one. Um, whoops, that is my alarm for something. Um. And yeah, it, I I just feel as if since like Magic R and D gets to sit down, and obviously they get to work kind of two years kind of behind of like where we get to see everything today. Um, they've probably been like, all right, we'll put all these like super cool low cost stuff out, and then everyone's like, all oh, the formats moving faster, and maybe this is sort of like a retroactive correction, like they're doing for like partners. Um, Honestly, partners is like the only thing that I can think of. They're quote unquote trying to fix by partners with and friends forever, and then like, oh, people care about high cost mana value, like uh, like creatures. Well, it gives you a payoff to want to explore that space in the command zone. I think, and I think I think that's good. Yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do more designs. Like I I, I look at a, I I've ranted about Toxrill maybe. I can't think of it if I've ever done it on the podcast. Um, it's not. I think Toxville is no worse than the original Elish Norn. Yeah, like you know, you try to you try to get Elish Norn. First of all, everyone knows what Elish Norn is. The effect is immediately. The effect is immediate in this case, which is great. Um, but the if you're already putting that much effort in trying to get your seven mana creature out, and you manage to get it out, protected enough so it actually has some viable impact. Then, like, congrats! You're doing what your deck intends. Like, what do you want the deck? To, the, you want the deck to do the thing, and now it's doing the thing. And if I don't know, read the room. Look at the look. Like, that's one of the things that I always um, find so interesting. Um, 
if people complain about what a deck's doing, I'm obviously no stranger to doing that. I can be a little bit of a petty bitch. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes I get a little bit huffy and pissy about magic games because of either, like, I'm either, I, I don't know, I... Maybe the I feel like the rule zero didn't go off, or maybe I just had a different set of expectations. Who knows? But like, I look at something like Ovika nowadays, which you know our friend Gabe's got one. Um, I think I've maybe seen another friend of mine play that, and and then with Gabe again as, as another friend of mine playing the new Atali. Um, there's a, a very obvious uh, problem when it comes to designing decks like this, where not only are you heavily investing in the commander, but you're also he- like you're heavily trying to like churn it out and then try to do the thing right. But if you start having to pay nine mana, eleven mana, unless you're reanimating it somehow, which well, I think a tally of those two circumvents that you still get four free spells every time you cast that card. True, and it resolves, so it's like even if they just kill it right away, you I think are more than happy to redeploy it. Anyway. And the other thing, too, is, like, you're playing green in Atali's case. So I feel as if... How will you get to nine mana in green? In green, how will you do that? In this economy, it's impossible. It's... It's not... (laughs) I need Oh, no, I have to cast my mana rocks in green. Like, no, get out of here. Um, But, yeah, in an obvious... Like, I, I just... What I want to see more of, and I have been seeing it over time, is that there is an appreciation of... Like, both simultaneously, like, low and high-cost creatures. We got stuff that allows you to cheat some stuff uh, early, like the uh, the Transformers cards that got uh, released during Brothers War. Um, being able to do the more-than-meets-the-eye cost to get something out early so you can get your game plan going. That's always great. I'm glad to see that. And then every once in a while, you're like, oh, I want to cast Megatron for six mana. I don't know why, but uh, you got the option. Um, yeah, like, I feel like magic design is, we're seeing less fierce guardianships and just more interesting designs. Um, people are busting out pre-cons, people are taking, like, the pre-con commanders or, like, the second one, um, and playing those. Uh, a lot of stuff from, like, main core sets. We're, you know, I've probably seen more Transformers cards in the wild than, like, probably most people would be expecting. And we're soon going to be reaching the point where we're going to have, you know, uh, a Transformer versus Gandalf versus Doctor from the Doc from Doctor Who from Doctor Who, which uh, I don't know. This this will be this will this episode will be a little bit after um, uh, mini uh, the Minneapolis uh, event going on right now, but uh, they were just showing off uh, some Lord of the Rings stuff. They were showing off uh, some very brief teasers of uh doctor who which seems uh i don't know it's doctor who we're gonna see david tennant's face uh, i've never i've never watched that show i I only like know a little bit about it yeah i'm not uh i'm not too familiar with it i just i i've known friends who have watched it and like obviously it's very popular and it's you know what it's all science fictiony but it's also kind of like feels very kind of magical because some of the stuff that i've seen so i'm like yeah all right you know like, cool whatever we'll just do that yeah all in all sweet it sounds like it's gonna have its own version of partner yep um you're gonna have like the doctor and one of his companions that will be so you'll have two commanders basically and uh they also announced that the um 
Hi, Sprout. <laughs> Sprout's screaming in the back now. <laughs> I heard that super loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's having a day. Um, and, uh, like, okay, sorry. Uh, back on track. Um, the Walking Dead cards uh, are now going to have their uh, Universes Beyond version going to be in um, Eldrain. Universes Within. Universe, yeah, it'll be yeah, in the Eldrain. It'll be in the Eldrain. So we get to see... The new version of Rick, whoever that will be. What, what's, uh, what's the set before Eldraine? Uh, I think it is the next set. I thought it goes. I thought it went to Wilds of Eldraine into the new Ixalan set. Oh, they, so then the um the the universe within versions will be uh, from March of the Machine. Like the characters, because uh, like when we got the Innistrad one, like when we got the Stranger Things ones, they were all set on Innistrad, but we got them in New Capenna. So the art direction and flavor has always been a set behind. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Oh, maybe that'll be the case. I mean, it was survive. Like we're talking about characters who are in a in a survival apocalyptic world that does seem like kind of like march of the machine could fit that very well and there are instead they make phyrexians but they're actually zombies yeah i don't know i mean well i guess we'll just have to wait and see you could just use like phyrexians in the art in place of zombies kind of like to get a similar motif of survival and shit it'll be yeah who knows um i mean i mean they did um what would you just oh geez the style for the um uh street fighter ones i can't remember what they were they were all set on dominaria huh actually that makes sense now that i think about it okay so yeah maybe yeah they i guess they might be march of the machines or and then they can pull from a variety of planes too they don't all have to be from one plane they yeah because march the machine goes to like 36 planes or whatever yeah, I guess I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You could have but... the, Mich- the Michonne be from, like, <clears throat> fucking Kamigawa, and she could have a laser sword. Oh, that'd be hype as fuck. <laughs> yeah, Not gonna lie, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be sick as fuck. Um, well, that's, see, okay, because, like, this, like, everyone's complaint. Here's the thing, I think I was part of the same group of people who was originally like, why the fuck are they doing the Stranger Things, not Stranger Things, um the walking dead cards and then eventually i got over it and then like the other ones i'm like transformers all right fuck it when are we going to be getting the the different versions of transformers cards i guess we'll just have to wait and see but like i don't i don't think we are oh really i don't i think it's only going to be we're only at universes within for the secret layers that are uh universes beyond Oh, that's right, because they weren't secret layers. Like, the Warhammer ones aren't going to probably get a magic version, and neither will the Doctor Who cards. True, true. And same for the Lord of the Rings, although that's very magic-coded anyway. Yeah. Um. One of the... Okay, so bet... Because here's the hypothetical... Like, here's, here's where we're at, right? Like, we're going to have Megatron versus Gandalf versus Rick versus ryu i guess or chunli or whatever right like that's kind of the area we're in here in terms of like crazy stuff we're gonna get and oh, one of the characters from the D movie <laughs> oh yeah exactly like like who like it at this point i we're just in the chaos we're in the middle of like whatever people are going to be building for commanders and obviously like a lot of these cards appeal to commander players more than just well your... that's intentional they want commander players to buy them so 
they're going to be commander centric designs. I was hyped as fuck to be able to make a Tron deck. Oh, I yeah, I was too. I was like, um, it's like, oh, you get to flip them over, you get to fling artifacts, and you get to do Neheb the Eternal kind of, except for for colorless, and then you get to flip it back over, and yeah, like super neat design. I every I think every time they've come up with new like either secret layers or video whatever like i feel as if the designs are kind of at like the right point that they need to be at they, they just they do enough i guess like looking at um stranger things for example like sofina slash jim hopper like making uh making clue tokens yeah that's a commander my boros decks just him by himself i love that card and you know it's and then simultaneously you could also you know, get give it the the friends forever of whoever else. Um, the Wernog is fucking pissing me off forever ever since it came out. It's like also like, do you want clues too? And I'm like, no, no, please don't. I would like to lose however much life I have to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I, despite minor frustrations over like tedious bullshit, like the designs. I think like even if you know ryu doing the untap thing because of like a command yeah, move so cool. like that's super sweet like that's awesome i love seeing stuff like that we need more creative design stuff like that and whether or not they do it 100 percent like accurately to a character like i don't know about that i think so, that's un- i think it's unrealistic magic's a game with its own like hard set of rules it's like it's not always going to be perfect um, I think most of them have been flavor wins versus, you know, flavor losses. Like, I don't know. Hey, the Transformers cards transform, auto win. Like, we got, we're there. <laughs> we we yeah. did what we needed to do. Uh, Megatron sacrificing things while uh, Optimus Prime, like, bolsters and reinforces, like, other stuff. Like, okay, yeah, that, that checks out. That's and fine. he comes back and, and Optimus Prime comes back from the dead. Like, fuck yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I'll come. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thanks for coming back again. Who knows? We're go- the new uh, Rise of the Beasts uh, t- movies coming out soon. I think relatively soon. I don't know. It's coming out at some point, and he he or may or may not die in that. But I'm a total mark, and I'm gonna go see that movie. Right on. I'll probably end up watching it eventually because I love Transformers, even if I don't uh, love the Babers movies. Yeah, and I don't know. I just saw Optimus Primal, and I was like, well, fuck, that's my childhood in a nutshell. Go watch, uh, <laughs> anyone out there, go watch fucking uh, Beast Wars. That shit was kind of fucking hype. <laughs> yeah, it was, little, it, was, it was awesome when I was a kid. Little dated now. Uh, it, it's definitely showing its age, but, uh, fuck, I don't know. Episode one was kind of hype, but that's, 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 that's. Go actually, actually go listen to the Transformer episode I did with my friend Alex. She fucking unloaded with all of the fucking lore, including about Megatron, which I was like, "Sorry, could you? Do, what's the thing that happened with Megatron?" She's like, "Oh, this happened." I'm like, "Okay, go on, meet." Well, there's a lot of um different timelines in Transformers, yeah, and they just like, they accept every piece of media as this its own timeline. Full stop. It's kind of funny. Like, oh, so many Transformers can't, uh, comic. Like, cool, that's now just canon. Yeah, they'll, they'll work its way in. Just trust us on that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? And, and I mean, heck, heck, what's the next cosmic retcon? Oh, wait, we're already dealing with that in Aftermath. Who knows what's going to happen next in Magic Story? Um, who, who fucking cares? This, uh, 
I feel pretty burned by the end of Mom, and I don't really care about the lore as much as I did before. It was a very unsatisfying ending, I thought. Unfortunate. Uh, I don't feel the same, but uh, I feel as if everyone's just, always had mixed opinions I, about stuff like this. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's just like every time there's a bad guy, they just rather than have it kill it, they just seal it away, and then like three or four side characters die, maybe, and everyone goes back to being fine. And this one felt much like the same. I thought characters like a Johnny and Nissa were actually going to die, and it's like no. And Nahiri's back. Just gonna, yeah, Nahiri's back just for reasons. Like they don't doesn't seem to be a lot of a lot of consequences. Other than they're all desparked, but they're all going to show up on different planes anyway now. So I don't know how much that really changed. <laughs> they're like, all right, guys, we got to hoof it over to Zendikar. And they're like, cool. Do you know how long it has to physically take for you to walk across the plane <laughs> to get to the portal? Yeah, how does how does that work? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's let's talk for a brief bit about the Aftermath stories just for a second, just for the minor details, just because we got the time. We got a few extra minutes before we hit the hour mark. Um but uh, as part of some of the quote-unquote cosmic change that may or may not have occurred because of the Realm Breaker, the giant Phyrexian evil tree of weirdness, um, it opened up uh, what they call omen paths that were originally from Call Time. And these omen paths may or may not be temporary or fixed, and who knows where they go or what's going to happen on either end. Um, which means that, in theory, people could still... More than just planeswalkers can travel across planes now. Um, but the way I look at it is, if there is a place, I don't know, Dominaria slash Ravnica becomes like the center hub of whatever, um, because of these omen paths, it still doesn't change the fact that you have to, A, be on a plane and find the omen path and then get on that omen path to whatever plane you're going to and then if there's another one that goes to another plane you just have to physically travel across the plane to get to that omen path to get to like that third plane which maybe that's your destination um which i just think about (laughs) it's like guys there's a world-ending threat all right hold on a second brings out the map uh look uh we gotta go through like 10 planes to get there um there may be a shortcut halfway in were unconfirmed. Someone got like eviscerated last time. Maybe we'll skip it on that one. Um, that'll take us three days. <laughs> Be interesting to see how that works because the Blind Eternities is not a physical place. Yes, good old fourth dimension metaphysical place between realities. That yeah, it'll be super interesting to see what happens and what they said. You know, the aftermath will be the preview of what's to come, and then L drained and. Ixlan will continue that, I guess. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait to see. I just want to see my boy Quintorius on Ixlan, because that just seems to make sense. Yeah, I could I could see it maybe in the caverns. Because he's one of the few planeswalkers left. Like they I think they're still gonna make planeswalker cards. I think. I mean, who knows? This is gonna be my crazy oh, idea. Well, Ashiok's already confirmed as a planeswalker in Eldraine. Yes. Thank you, Wizards of the Coast, for sharing that little I was waiting. I was like Oh, that bitch. And Ashiok showed up, and they're gonna be fucking around doing who knows what. They whispered in whispered in Elishnorn's ear, and that did something. I don't know what it was. Um, and now... Made her, made her uh, all mad, I guess. 
yeah, that's one way to describe it. Um, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen in the magic story in the near future. I know some people like yourself are kind of burnt out, so who knows. Um, but also just means, hey, more cards, more Planeswalkers, maybe. Always more cards. <laughs> the, the magic releases never end. We'll see more cards. They'll announce a shadow drop of something next week. That'll be happening next, like, in, in five months, and then we'll be like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah. Well, Commander Masters, we already starting to get previews for that. Yep. Commander we Masters, uh, uh, Eldraine teasers. We're getting uh, a freaking gingerbread lady on a, on a gingerbread horse, which is kind of sweet. <laughs> That's fucking sweet. That's going to be so cool. I hope that card's, like, actually good. Fingers crossed. Don't let us down, Gavin Verhey. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all on you or Mark Wazwater, one of the two. You just you just spin the wheel, and it's one of them. Um, but yeah, uh, I I think that'll be it for for this episode of the Uncommon Commander podcast. Go check out Fitz's um, deck over on Architect. I'll be throwing up a link in the bottom. And Fitz, thank you for coming on once again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cole. Um, and that is it for this episode. Go ch- uh, go check out episodes of Casual Sevens. Uh, they're also on podcast sources very much like my own, wherever. Pocket Cast? I don't know where that is. Um, and that is it for this episode. We'll, we'll see you on the next one.